Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Monday, March 27th, 2023. It's been 3,316 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 397 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we maintain that Russian combat potential is fading across the entire theater of war, and the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective. Second, we maintain that the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut remains in a critical state and is fluid, but defensive lines have been stabilized. Third, We maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, those are seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of the cost. Fourth, we assess that the Russian ammunition shortage for artillery has worsened, and Russian forces are experiencing a shortage of non-precision artillery munitions theater-wide. Fifth, We maintain that there is a risk of a nuclear accident due to the de-energization of Ukraine's electrical grid as long as the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, continues to target Ukraine's power industry. Sixth, we assess that the Russian MOD has degraded the political and military strength and influence of private military company or PMC Wagner Group and its leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Seventh, We maintain that the Kremlin is actively attempting to topple the legitimate government of Moldova. And finally, we maintain the Kremlin is also actively interfering with the Georgian government's attempt to join the European Union. One year ago yesterday, on March 26, 2022, near Kyiv, Russian holdouts in Irpin were technically encircled trapped against the Bochanka River. In Cherniv, Russian forces occupied the city of Slavyutych, eight kilometers from the Belarusian border. The mayor was initially arrested, but mass protests led to his release. Food and potable water were running out in Cherniv. The city was heavily shelled, and Russian airstrikes killed 44 civilians. Russian General Sergei Kisel, the first guard's tank army commander, was relieved of duty. Russian forces used MLRS to deploy anti-tank mines north and northeast of Kharkiv, signaling a move to a defensive posture. In Sumy, Ukrainian forces liberated Kamyanka and Trostyanets, 
severing a critical Russian ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line. Near Izum, Russian forces entered a short operational pause due to intense Ukrainian resistance. The United Nations attempted to negotiate a green corridor for civilians in Kherson, but the Russian MOD refused. In Mariupol, a video showed nightmare conditions in the city's only operating hospital, only meters from ongoing urban fighting. Ukrainian forces pushed Russian troops out of Rubizhne near Severodonetsk, and in Popozna, Russian units accidentally fought each other. The Black Sea Fleet launched six-caliber cruise missiles at Lviv, hitting an armored vehicles factory and fuel storage. Let's get some regional updates, and since it's a Monday, check in with both belligerents' objectives, starting with Kharkiv. The Russian objective is to push Ukrainian forces west of the Oskil River and set conditions for a future, larger attack. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate the northeastern corner of the oblast, hold defensive lines in the Kupiansk operational area, and protect civilians and civilian infrastructure. In the Dvorichna operational area, a new video confirmed the current line of conflict, showing a Russian T-90 tank in southeastern Hryanikivka cooking off ammunition. Fighting in the area of Sinkivka continued, with no change to the line of conflict. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. The Russian objective is to integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation, recapture lost territory, and control insurgency. The Ukrainian objective is to break Russian defensive lines, advance on Svatova, Kremina, and Lusychansk, and support insurgents. In the Kremina operational area, Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo reported an unsuccessful attack near Nevsky. Russian mercenary mill blogger Rybar reported fighting west of Ploshanka. Fighting in the forested areas west of Kremina continued, with Russian troops continuing their attempts to advance in the direction of Terni without success. Wargonzo said there was continued fighting in the Serebryansky woods near the Seversky Donetsk River floodplain and that Russian attacks were unsuccessful. After three days of more intense attacks, Russian forces fought positional battles northeast and east of Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk. In northeast Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture the entire region and integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation. The Ukrainian objective is to defend Siversk and Bakhmut, push into the Luhansk oblast, and minimize civilian casualties. In the Siversk operational area, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance along the railroad tracks to Vyamka and renewed attacks on Vesele from Yakovlivka. In the Bakhmut operational area, PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin confirmed that Russian forces have taken over operations on the northern and southern flanks of Bakhmut. Some assessment here. There is no good news for PMC Wagner in this admission, or that Wagner mercenaries have been tasked with the most dangerous mission of securing Bakhmut. During the siege of Severodonetsk, Luhansk and Donetsk People's Republics, or LNR and DNR forces, along with Chechen Akhmat, led the main combat operations. The 2nd Army Corps of the LNR and Akhmat never recovered from the losses. 
The Kremlin has consistently pushed off the hardest fighting onto proxy forces as a buffer for regular Russian troops. Russian performance on protecting the flanks has not started well, although that may be due to troop rotations between Wagner and Russian units and Ukrainian forces capitalizing on the change. Prigozhin may deny that PMC Wagner's mission in Ukraine doesn't end in Bakhmut, but it is highly unlikely that Wagner forces will be tasked with the leading role in a critical operational area. North of Bakhmut, Ukrainian forces were able to make incremental gains from Minkivka and push east on the M3 or E40 highway towards Zaleznyanske. The advance relieved Orikhovo-Vasilivka, pushing fighting away from the outskirts of the village. North of Bohdanivka and Hromova, fighting continued, with Russian attacks failing to advance toward the T-506 highway G-lock. In Bakhmut, Russian state media released a video showing that most of the Azom metalworking and concrete industrial area has been brought under the control of Wagner mercenaries. We adjusted the map to show the widening area of control. Despite confirmation that the complex is mostly under Russian control, the mood of Ukrainian fighters had changed dramatically, with numerous videos showing units with high morale and reporting they believe that victory is now possible and the situation has been brought under control. Ukrainian armored vehicles, including main battle tanks with the 93rd Motor Infantry Brigade, continue to operate in Bakhmut with near impunity due to Russian shortages of anti-tank guided missiles, or ATGMs, and man-portable anti-tank weapons. South of Korsunskoho Street, PMC Wagner mercenaries scrambled for cover after being spotted by a Ukrainian drone and were hit by artillery. There was not enough evidence to move the line of conflict south due to the lack of Ukrainian ground troops in the area. Notably, PMC Wagner has not released a map update for the Bakhmut area in nine days. Russian troops launched a daytime attack on Ivanivsky, which was unsuccessful. The GSAFU reported that Russian troops continued attempts to establish stronger positions on the west bank of the Siversky-Donetsk-Donbass Canal in the direction of Predtechne, without success. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In southwest Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture the entire region, integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation, and bring the insurrection across southwestern Donetsk under control. The Ukrainian objective is to lock Russian military assets in place, defend the existing line of conflict while finding and exploiting weaknesses, destroy troop concentrations and command and control sites, interdict supplies, and disrupt logistics. In the northern sector of the Avdiivka operational area, fighting continued with no changes in the situation. Ukrainian forces repelled attacks in the areas of Novokalinova, Keramik, and Novobakhmutivka. The status of Kamyanka remains unclear. To the south of Avdiivka, the size and intensity of attacks by Russian forces continue to decrease, while the systematic destruction of Avdiivka itself continues. Vitali Barabash, the head of the Avdiivka city military administration, 
announced that critical municipal workers are being evacuated and all cellular communications will be turned off. Badabash reported that Russian shelling landed near the communal service building, but there were no casualties. He added that mobile communications were being disabled, quote, because there are informers of the Russian occupiers in the city, end quote, adding that before the end of the week, no one would service the city's cell towers. Fighting for Avdiivka continued, with new intelligence indicating Russian forces controlled less area than previously assessed near Krutabalka. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Sieverne and Tonenki without success. Despite the continued attacks north of Vodyana following the tree lines to advance, we assess that the First Army Corps' control of the settlement is slipping. Attacks on Pervomaiske from Piski continued, with no change in the situation. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for control of the ruined city continued and intensified. Russian sources attempted variations of, no, we're still fighting in the city's center, but not really. Trust us, we're pushing west this time we mean it, in their assessments. Our readers and listeners will understand our well-placed skepticism. Pictures or it didn't happen. A reliable Ukrainian source reported fighting, quote, near Pobida, without providing additional details. Novomikhailivka in the Ukhlidar operational area again? Yes, of course. Any change? No, of course not. In Mariupol, Russian state media is reporting a car bomb injured Mikhail Moskvin, the head of the occupation police force. He is reportedly suffering from a concussion. Moving on to Zaporizhia. The Russian objective is to prevent a Ukrainian offensive into Zaporizhia, integrate captured territory into the Russian Federation, and capture the remainder of the oblast. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate Russian-occupied areas, prevent further Russian advances, exploit weaknesses on the line of conflict, and protect civilians. In occupied Melitopol, there are reports of multiple explosions targeting Russian occupation officials troop barracks, and the Joker Café, where Russian forces congregate. The Ukrainian insurgent organization Atesh reported, quote, many Russian troops were killed in the attack without providing evidence. There was no update on the situation at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported there were 11 vessels of the Black Sea Fleet on patrol, including one Kilo-class submarine capable of launching up to four caliber cruise missiles. In Russian-occupied Crimea, fresh complaints in Simferopol have emerged about Chechen Akhmat troops who are harassing and terrorizing residents, taking over bars and restaurants, and hosting their own version of Fight Club. In western and central Ukraine, The Russian objective is to launch terror attacks on civilians in an attempt to maximize casualties by deprivation of heat, water, and medical services, and to break morale. The Ukrainian objective is to deter attacks and protect civilian lives. In Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian forces fired on each other's positions across the Dnipro River. Russian forces completed 20 fire missions, firing fewer than a hundred artillery rounds, mortars, rockets, and indirect tank fire, 
wounding four. On the Russian front, a powerful explosion rocked Kiryevsk in the Tula region. Pictures showed a five meter deep crater, and two people were injured by flying glass. Russian officials initially claimed it was a strike by a Ukrainian drone. They later reported that electronic warfare had disabled the drone, forcing it to crash in the city's residential area. The blast was heard up to 30 kilometers away, and video showed residents asking how a drone could have reached their community. Let's talk about developments theater wide and outside Ukraine. North Macedonia is sending 12 Mi 24 Hind attack helicopters to Ukraine. The attack aircraft have been mothballed for years and were originally purchased in 2001 during the small nation's conflict with Albania. The airworthiness of the helicopters is unknown. We changed the chart that tracks Russian and Ukrainian heavy equipment losses. After discussion, We've classified all variants of T 64 tanks as medium duty instead of main battle tanks. According to Oryx, in the last 48 hours, Russia has lost 27 tanks. That's just short of a battalion. The breakdown of heavy equipment losses for both belligerents is in our full situation report on Patreon. Speaking of breakdowns, let's talk about the Russian military and mobilization. Multiple reports in Russian state media stated that recently promoted Colonel General Rustam Muradov has been dismissed as the Russian Federation Eastern Military District Commander. Muradov, who was promoted in February for successfully demilitarizing over 130 armored vehicles, Russian armored vehicles near Ukhledar, was given the derogatory call sign of F it by Russian troops. The 1st Army Corps commander of the 1st Battalion, 247th Airborne Assault Regiment, Dmitry Lisitsky, was killed in action. Lisitsky led a sneak attack on Ukrainian troops, retreating through a previously agreed upon green corridor out of Ilovaisk, violating the ceasefire. Up to a thousand Ukrainian soldiers were killed in what Ukrainians call the Ilovaisk Massacre. In another sign that the Russian winter offensive is culminating and combat potential is exhausted, the number of Russian troops deployed in Belarus has shrunk to around 4,000. Most of the remaining forces are instructors, advisors, or MOBICs completing training. At the start of the year, the number was estimated to be 10,800. Russian President Vladimir Putin was asked why Russia can't stop the flow of Western weapons into Ukraine. He told reporters that the problem was that the weapons were brought to Ukraine at night, so Russian intelligence couldn't see the shipments to target them. Putin said that with a straight face. He also said the shipments were hidden in civilian trucks. <laughs> Russian mill blogger Vladlin Tatarsky calls for deploying BS 300 mm artillery systems, first introduced in 1944, to solve the quote, shortage of shells. Until 2011, these guns were on combat duty in the Kuril Islands, and they may still be. It seems like there are enough shells on them. End quote. He also added that Russian troops must stop quote, destroying abandoned ammunition on the battlefield, end quote, and urged the creation of units that recover and repair ammunition for future use. Everything is going to plan. 
In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is no graphic detail in today's report, but please feel free to skip ahead to the next segment. Timestamps are in the description. The death toll from a Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missile used for a ground attack that struck a Kostyantinivka point of invincibility on March 23rd has increased to five. One person was recovered from the rubble, and two more were wounded. On March 24th, Russian forces shelled a homeless shelter in the center of Kostyantinivka with ten occupants. The attack killed three and wounded two. Ukraine unilaterally transferred severely wounded and sick Russian POWs per Articles 109 through 114 of the Geneva Conventions with the aid of the International Committee of the Red Cross. The number of prisoners returned was not reported. Ukrainian officials claimed that Moscow refused to do an in-kind transfer. Russia did repatriate the bodies of 83 Ukrainian service members Russia did repatriate the bodies of 83 Ukrainian service members, and mortuary services will begin the task of identifying them. Rising boxing star Maxim Khelinichev of Kherson refused to participate in the European Championship in May 2022 and enlisted into the ranks of the Ukrainian airborne assault troops. He was wounded twice and returned to the battlefield for a third time. On March 10th, the 22-year-old Khalinichev was killed in action in Luhansk. He won the gold medal in the European Youth Championship in 2017, was the silver medalist of the 2018 Youth Olympic Games, and received the silver medal at the European Under-22 Championship X Years Boxing Tournament of 2021. In geopolitical news, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Estonia is expelling another Russian Federation diplomat, declaring the unnamed official persona non grata who must leave Estonia by March 29th. According to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, quote, the diplomat in question has been engaged directly and actively in undermining Estonia's security and constitutional order, spreading propaganda that justifies Russia's military action and causing divisions in Estonian society. End quote. The Council of Europe anti-corruption body, the Group of States Against Corruption, or GRECO, praised Ukraine's work on ending corruption. GRECO found that Ukraine has satisfactorily completed 15 of 31 recommendations and that 9 of the 16 remaining ones have been partially implemented. The report reads, quote, Wartime has led to the necessity of adopting martial law, a state of emergency, and the adjustment of priorities. In such context, it is remarkable that Ukraine has nevertheless continued its work to implement GRECO's recommendations. Even if work still lies ahead, Ukraine's timely submission of information to GRECO, as well as the progress reported, is to be commended. End quote. Dmitry Kuleba, Ukraine's foreign minister, said he was in favor of Ukraine ratifying the Rome Statute, the treaty that established the International Criminal Court, saying, quote, We definitely have to ratify the Rome Statute. All these conjectures that it will somehow inflict damage on Ukraine itself are merely prejudices. End quote. 
The Constitutional Court of Armenia concluded that compliance with the Rome Statute was with the norms of the country's constitution. The decision means if Russian President Putin were to visit the CSTO nation, he would be subject to detainment by Armenian authorities. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.